Hello, everybody. Welcome back for round two of tonight on um, Advancing Practice. We're really excited to um, have had so many tweets and so many people watching. Um, I hope that continues for the second part as well. Um, just so that to let you know how you can join in, let me hand you over to the fabulous Vanessa, who'll tell you how you can participate. Hello, everyone. I'm Vanessa Garrity. I had a little break for the first half, but I've been following the conversation on social media. Um, I hope um, you'll all continue um, to send your questions and comments into the panel um, for part two of Advancing Nursing Practice. You can join in one of two ways. You can either join in on Facebook Live. You just need to like the Unite MHNA Facebook page and you'll get the live um, stream straight onto your page. And we'd love to hear your comments and any questions for the panel. You can also join in on Twitter. You just need to follow MHNR2020 hashtag and you'll see the feed there. Um, again, any questions via Twitter would be great. And um, I'll have my head down tonight mostly um, having a look on social media and hopefully feeding in any thoughts and comments to the panel. So I'll hand you over to Ben now. Thank you. Thanks, Vanessa. Thank you, Nikki. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Ben Hannigan. I work at Cardiff University. I'm a mental health nursing academic there and I'm really pleased to be here for this uh, second part of this advanced practice um, panel discussion today. Um, <clears throat> by the sounds of it, Nikki, the conversation has already been kind of seamlessly continuing from the panel that, that was discussing um, advanced practice earlier, so that's great. And uh, don't forget MHNR2020 is, is the hashtag for people to uh, join in. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to this uh, discussion. Fantastic. Don't forget, each of the panellists has already put up um, a video talking about their work that you can follow, follow uh, through, watching through the hashtags. Um, and then what we're going to do now is have a panel discussion. So let me introduce the panel to you. First of all, Helen, can you tell us who you are a little bit about yourself, please? Yes, hello. I'm uh, Ellen Oldno. I'm a learning disability nurse and mental health nurse. And I'm currently working at Rotherham, Doncaster, Southumber NHS Trust as research nurse. Fantastic. Kevin? Yeah, hi there. I'm Kevin Williamson. I'm the head of research at Rotherham Doncaster and South Umber NHS Foundation Trust. I'm actually a nutritionist by background, so but I, I'm doing my PhD as well in uh, nutrition and psychosis at the moment. And it's, it's fine. Thank you. That, that sounds fantastic. Um, Steve? Hi, I'm Steve Hemingway. I'm another mental health academic. I work at the University of Huddersfield. Um, I would like to say that I would have been joined by my colleague in Southwest from Southwest Yorkshire Partnership Trust, Karen Greenbank, but she hasn't been able to make it. So I, um, I will be talking on her behalf as well as my impressions of our work. Fantastic. So let's come to Ben to start us off. I, I think there's a really strong theme in, in your presentations, um, Steve, and then Helen and uh, Kevin in your presentation too, about really encouraging people to get involved in research and to kind of make research something that we just do without thinking of it as being something that is unusual um, or something that is only done by a small number of people. So Steve, to come to you first. Um, so, so tell us about what you um, and Karen uh, Greenbank uh, have done. Karen was an advanced nurse, is an advanced nurse practitioner, is that right? And yes, indeed. If I, if I may provide you with a little bit of context towards how the, the research, how the evaluation came about. Um, I, uh, uh, I'm lucky enough to work as a memory nurse when I can get there in the trust as well. So I am part of um, 
um, what was a growing um, uh, a number of colleagues um, decided that um, advanced nurse practice practice needed to develop within the memory service at first and um, I was involved with a, a colleague called Richard Clibbins, another colleague where we wrote about a piece of work which said that um, we've now got this framework and you know in in order for nurses to want to go and do research it needs to be paid appropriately so you can move from a band six to a band seven secondly um that um <clears throat> it needed to have the requisite education to get to the you know so so that we're providing a pathway that way um so we've captured it that way and then karen's work was um, really about her work as a one-stop shop in terms of, they used to use the word substitution in terms of nursing substituting um, the work of, in this case, psychiatrists within the memory service. And um, Karen had uh, conversations with her uh, prescribing or, or her senior colleague, um, Suba, who's the medical director within the trust, and they said they need to capture what the what had actually happened in terms of it seemingly that Karen's work and and the feedback that you know that Karen was getting from doing autonomous practice, the diagnosis, the prescribing, the uh, continued support, um, so that yeah they had one person to go to um, was, was was well. They decided to do the service evaluation. And that's when I, due to the network that I'm involved in in the trust, we, can, we have quite a big district, as most trusts do. Um, and I thought this needed publishing in terms of um, it is not the, you know, it, it's a survey of one pers person's work as against some standards. But it's start, you know, it, in terms of the research and going back to the, um, the theme that you're talking about, Ben, in terms of where do you start research? Well, I think some things, no matter, it's not a randomized controlled trial, it's not changing the world, but it's the start of something. It's the start of showing evidence that nurses and nurses need to show, certainly within advanced practice, what good outcomes they have. And certainly um, from hopefully if people have had a look at the, um, the PowerPoint and the soon to be published uh, paper, they'll see that you know, we, we've said at this point in time, this is an important announcement about how the nurse can work uh, and how it can be captured and how it can make a difference. One of the things that really surprised me, Steve, from your in your presentation was that I think you, was, I think you said towards the beginning that you couldn't find any published research evidence which showed that advanced <coughs> nurse practitioners um, made a difference to outcomes. Which, which maybe then kind of mental gave health, you, mental yeah, health yeah, in mental health, yeah. Which I was really surprised to hear actually, but I guess that also gave you a reason to do the evaluation that you and Karen and colleagues did in order to kind of fill that gap a little bit. Yes, indeed, and it probably needs again a follow up. That a challenge might be that a really strong systematic review needs to look because uh, we did more of a narrative review when we looked at this, but. Um, at this moment in time, as I, as as far as I know, there was some really strong research that's been done uh, with advanced practitioners. But there's a lot of literature that talks about what role they're doing, um, 
if they're making a difference, it's about time they're making a difference, but we need to start showing those outcomes. Yeah. Uh, because, and, and I think the opportunity is there because nurses are now embedded as advanced practitioners, as yeah. Helen would. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So Helen, Helen, and and we'll cut. We'll come back. I'm sure we'll and hear about what you found and the the survey that you developed, Steve. But just to bring Helen and Kevin in uh, to the discussion. So you now you've actually won a prize, haven't you, for your for the work that you have done embedding research in your NHS trust. Am I right? Tell tell us about this Nursing Times Award, which we need to congratulate you for. Well mm. done. You yeah, are so we, <laughs> say that again. Yeah. You, yeah. yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah, so we won the um, Nursing Times Award last year in 2019 for clinical research nursing. So, yeah, so we were really, really proud to win that, really. Really, we felt like a good achievement, not just for us, but for but for the trust, you know, the practitioners in the trust and our research champions. So, really excited to win it. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, well done. Fantastically well done. And what, what, um, what is it you've done then? So Helen, what what's the what is it that Nursing Times recognised you and Kevin and your colleagues for having done? Um, well, in their um, summation, the right while we won, they sort of evidenced our um, information we gave on service user and carer um, involvement, um, and equally with that, I think um, what else what was helpful is that we work with anyone in the trust, whether they be a um, healthcare professional, whether they work in management, whether they work in um, estates and facilities, if there's research and they're interested and they want to take part. So we've got a trust of over 3,000 people and we might get a research study in, well, you might not be able to take part as part of the research team, but actually that piece of research might be of particular relevance to you and your uh, personal position. So we all, always offer and inform all our staff of all the research that comes in, whether it be on autism or dementia or um, mother and baby units. Everybody has an opportunity and everybody's aware of what happens and we can help people take part in research. But also for us as nurses, um, certainly mental health, we encourage our colleagues to come and join us, shadow us for the day. Um, come, uh, and we get lots of support of uh, students that are on their degree courses and come to us for advice and, and um, help we can give them really and contacts that we can make. So really it was about growing research within the trust. Got some fantastic images and stories in your in your presentation too. Is it, a, you've got a community research hub, is that right? And uh, yeah, and, 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 and there's a certainly part in your presentation where you talk about opening up just in the way you're saying now Helen opportunities to student nurses who are on clinical placement with you to become involved yes in. yes we were one of the first um, trust in our locality <clears throat> to do that to offer ourselves as a placement for student nurses and I know that um, the situation is uh, changing about AHP professionals and their training so we will welcome everyone um, to come and have a look at what we do and hopefully get the bug, get the research bug. How, how do you do that then? How do you, because I've, I certainly had experiences where I've 
you know, I've approached colleagues in NHS organisations to um, to encourage them, for example, to perhaps join a research study that I might be involved in, um, or I've maybe approached teams with a view to inviting the, them to invite people who use their services to join research studies. And sometimes people are really keen to be involved. Sometimes people are less keen to be involved um, and don't necessarily automatically see the relevance or the importance of being part of a research project. Um, how, how to, what, what are the things that you're doing then that allow you to overcome that? You know, how are you kind of building this research culture? Make a really good cup of tea. I think that's the, <laughs> I think that's the first thing. Yeah, and coffee. Um, <clears throat> I think joking aside, I think it's really important. I mean, we've got Helen, who's a fantastic you know nurse working with us, and I think the, there was one of the study teams recently that that came there, and they actually went away with the, with the phrase "Be more Helen," just because of the kind of that that involvement and that inspiring all the clinical teams. Um, we've got another nurse in the trust that um, that works in our children's care group. And she's been really keen to grow it with with you know practitioners in her own division really and she set up a, a community of practice group specifically for research to so do in bite-sized pieces and i think that if we can get one or two clinicians involved that, that are kind of working in, in clinical fields that snowball effect has been has been a massive help for us really because i think you know that they can give the message across better than we can i think about research i think you, would you agree with that helen i think that's probably yes. Yeah. And, and I think we use any opportunity we can to spread the word, really. So if yeah. there's a um, networking event for AHPs or psychologists or uh, nurses in different localities or different teams, we'll certainly uh, go there and, and, and talk about research. And I think a lot of the, well, it's almost like learning another language um, research. So really to um, simplify things and, and not make it complicated and to be a principal investigator we relate that back to what people would um, see in their own work. So if you're the shift manager, you're responsible. You need to know that people on the shift can do what you're asking them to do and have the correct qualifications and skills. Well, that's a principal investigator. So really we relate what the research part is um, to, to what people work with and know really and have experience of. And I think another thing we do, Kevin, I think um, it's fair for the team as a whole is that we do support people and we try to take the burden off clinical staff that yes. we're not adding to the work that we're doing. Yeah. We're supporting and we're promoting and Absolutely. we're learning together. So actually, as much as we can, we would take the uh, burden and yeah. Yeah, as much as possible. Yeah, facilitate. If I may, I suppose there's two things that I can say. I mean, with with what I would say, um, the uh, service uh, user and carer experience evaluation was really Karen's work. I picked it up in a meeting where she came to present what are some of the results were. And uh, we, we started discussions, I sent her an email, and we then started the conversations and a very long journey because I wanted her to actually write the paper. It was her work. Um, we did bring um, John Stevenson in, a statistician who, by the way, said is, is part of some of the most um easy research is ever done because the scoring was so high for her work so you know of course we've got to think about other ways of capturing things to see if people were, were, were less uh, satisfied um 
The other side to it is I was interested that Helen had said about getting student nurses involved or helping student nurses in their projects. And that's wonderful because that's real. One way that we've done it, and uh, we we tend to do a, a generic what uh, in our first year, uh, so to try and build that capacity, if you like, um, in the first year we will uh, do what is evidence-based. The second is to, to actually learn the methodologies and then choose and defend why they're going to do a particular methodology and of course they're going to do the the you know what what the research is what the methodology is third year being the project and that's done in a group but we're also inviting um people from the trust uh, research governance in to actually say what audits are available it's quite often very clinical very busy clinical staff um have you know that they know they want to capture perinatal services older people's um the introduction of um different style of management within a psychiatric intensive care unit things like some of these that came up it, it was too soon um it, we were able to process it but for our both our degree and our master's students i think actually going out and learning how to do an audit capture it negotiate with um, with clinical staff, obviously through somebody like Helen and Kevin. And and, and so that, that is a way of bringing it, you know, theory into practice rather mm -hmm. than yet another literature review or mm -hmm. some of our students going in and uh, doing, a, doing whatever method they're doing in a certain limited way, because all they can all they can do is is probably some healthcare, you know, healthcare practice students, you know, it, it isn't so it is one way of getting out and, and thinking about mm -hmm. survey evaluations or yeah. um, in terms of service service evaluations or audits. So they're, they're rich for actually looking at, as in um, looking at um, both, um, again, going back to Angela's research, well, originally um, you know, service evaluation, which has got something to say. And certainly within my career, I got in, involved in another service evaluation about um, the administration of medicines but again of its time it said about you know it, it was said that it, you know it very much grounded um, about competence of nurses and and how to grow that and how to develop the you know how to develop capacity so you know it's not only looking at it's not only that that um, universities will lead but it's also helping universities uh, sorry trust uh, helping trusts people like helen to actually highlight what research is going on and maybe mm -hmm. you know involving some of our students in in coming in and doing some actually clinically based evaluations and there's there are some really very fine distinctions between things like service evaluation audit research service improvement a lot a lot of the methods the techniques have always seemed to me to be there's a big overlap isn't there so yeah. in in all those different activities people might find themselves reading through notes they might find themselves asking questions of people they might use surveys like you did steve in your in your evaluation so there's a lot that can be learned i would have thought in undertaking things like audit which is something that student nurses clearly can, can do and registrants too, which are great preparations then for people who might want to become involved in 
research. Um, you know, they're not, there's, there are definite overlaps, I think, between those kind of activities. Um, it's often the context, I think, in which questions are being asked and the kind of governance frameworks and the, the, the kind of overall aim that makes the difference. But the actual techniques or the, the gathering of data, yeah, data collection, that, yeah. that happens in all those kind of types of activity, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and uh, within audit, um, some people describe it and say that it's a way of avoiding uh, ethics. But no, you've, you've, you know, the, the, you know, the governance department will make sure, the research governance department, Kevin, Ellen, will make sure that that, that everything is carried through, so that they will have to do um, some form of ethical uh, validation. Yeah. Oh yes. yes, I'd like to say um, Kevin and I did a piece of uh, service evaluation on. Um, dietary intake in uh, dementia inpatient area. And certainly everything was ethically to the standards of research. So yeah. from the consents, perhaps a permission worked through an NHS ethics, but it was certainly permission through our care uh, trust. So all the, uh, all the governance that was laid out for research, we followed through for um, service evaluation through to the publication. Absolutely. And, um, our, our um, student nurses, our, our, the uh, nursing team on the ward, were all involved in that. That were learning for us all. And of course, the fun part is the uh, data collection, isn't it? It's always yeah. the best bit, the meeting people, the getting the data. And, um, and, and the, time, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, the, uh, meeting people, for student nurses, they always say that it's more the fun part when once yeah. they've decided what they're doing and they actually yeah. enjoy they could certainly value those conversations about yes. the research questions and how they're going to focus, what they need mm. to do, how to, you know, but they can start to see um, how difficult, oh, it's never easy because it, there's always things that you've got to overcome to enable that data collection that, that Ben was talking about. Mm. But um, and again, that's where your role comes in, Helen. Yeah, yeah. And uh, certainly in our colleagues, we, we being round, meeting people, talking about research, but actually the work that they're doing, and uh, similar to yourself in uh, at South West Yorkshire, this needs this needs publicising. This needs um, publishing. This work that you're doing, people need to know really, and uh, people are just that busy working that they don't see what they're doing is of, yeah. you know, could be the start of some research groundbreaking work really. Yeah, 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 yeah and and uh, yeah. excuse me, Kevin. Was it Kevin? I think it was Ben. Was it? Were you gonna... Sorry, it was yeah. me. But Steve, carry on. I'll come back in a minute. I, I was just thinking about Karen's work, and and mm. again back to the motivation of why. Now Karen's mm. a very accomplished practitioner, and she she's written very well, and she's able to assimilate how to write. You know, it's taken us a year to develop it and things, but she's done it, and she mm -hmm. could see the value of it, and. Uh, and that's how she's developed this work. But part of the four pillars of advanced practice is to actually research, is to actually mm -hmm. look at what you're doing in there. So she's she's already done that, she's proven mm -hmm. that, but it, it almost needed that academic validation or publication to, to yeah. be able to, you know, because it was important, it needed sharing. So, mm -hmm. you know, very much, and going back to Ben is, um, if people have done some something good, get in touch with people like myself, certainly Ben, Nikki, Kevin, excuse me, um, 
Helen to actually think where you know what can be done with it because it it, mm. it is so important and again it's about how do you start in research well <laughs> quite often you've probably done the research or you you've yeah. got a strong hunch of what is going on so how do you capture that and that's when you bring people like ourselves in. I think it's also really interesting as well when because we can do a piece of research and we can you know the dissemination you know we can we can publish the results but I think it's the, the unseen influencer effect and I know I think there was one lad wasn't there Helen on the on the ward that went off to yeah. do more academic you know master's course and things and yeah. you don't know how many people you're influencing when you do some of these things that you know whether that's changing career pathways or changing sort of thoughts and things which I think would be quite useful to capture because it's, I mean, that that's part of it. Yeah. Well, embedding it in that culture, isn't it? It's, it's kind of getting it in people's minds, isn't it? Mm. It's normalising it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. Exactly um, that, it is. Yeah, it is. It is, no, it is normalising, isn't it? And with, Which I think, so Steve, you work with Karen, who has who developed her role as an advanced independent nurse practitioner working with older people with dementia and the natural thing to do was to better understand the impact of that and to lead an evaluation and that seemed that's a great example isn't it of of people working in the NHS and people working in universities collaborating together mm -hmm. around a common purpose yeah, and, and yeah really and, important yeah and again advanced practice is now if it's time it's becoming embedded and I don't know if um if people are interested in that but for me um in my career i've known such titles as consultant nurse and um advanced nursing advanced practitioners and, and things like that but it's never quite been captured about what's going on and i think there is a movement now of course because of the the conditions uh, i did um uh, I, I, again, the previous paper that was published with Richard um, Clibbins was actually saying we need to get the renumeration right. We need to have the pathway, and that's where we people will go. Um, you capture that. So that's a that's a paper. It's not research, but it's a position paper. Mm. It's saying this is what's happening. Yes. But within the same piece, I'm you know, and you know, it's something I'm excited about because I've, I've wanted this to happen for a long time, really. Nikki, Vanessa, do we, are there, are there is there, yeah. maybe there might be a whole one, one of the, questions. <laughs> there are always questions. This is always. mental health land. It's always people <laughs> asking. And I think you see making some really valid points, you know, that for, for discussions and for, for nurses to be thinking and sharing ideas, position papers are really important. Discussion papers are really important. Like even stuff like getting started with things like a you know, day in the life, that kind of stuff really opens us all up to thinking about how we're all working, um, what problems we share, what solutions we can generate together. That kind of interaction is so, so important. You know, it's, it's you know, you see this kind of like hierarchy of evidence, don't you? With randomized control trials at the top that, you know, a lot of people are just terrified of, quite frankly. And then sort of like people sort of like, like qualitative research is seen as like a gateway drug. <laughs> it's like a way, you know, because you like, you like a little bit of a chat and you start to find your way in. But for me, I mean, I first started doing research, it was evaluations. And I stumbled into research without even realising I was doing it as a practice development nurse and a ward manager back in the day. You know, start off doing evaluations, benchmarking, and, and you kind of get some skills which are transferable, as Ben was saying, and then you can kind of move over. So I think there's a lot to be said for the more debate and the more cross-pollination we have, the, the more people will be asking the right kind of questions and having the kind of conversations that really help us move forward. 
Did you want to read out the questions, Vanessa, or do you want me to bang on? You're on mute. I've wanted to say that to somebody else all day. I've always <laughs> well on mute. <laughs> my, son, my son was in giving me a news update earlier. So um no, I was um I was really interested in in listening to the um the work in Southwest Yorkshire because I was actually involved in that work during the discovery phase of it a few years ago. Um and I suppose that got me thinking really that you know nurses also need to be involved in research because often you know it's nurses who know the services inside out and are delivering a lot of the care and have the relationship with people. And if we don't involve nurses in the design and the development of new services, then how can we make sure we've got services that are fit for purpose? And also nurses who then go on to work in those services, feeling that they've been engaged in the change is really important, isn't it? That it reflects the direction they feel that services need to go in. Because my experience of transformation and um, innovation and all those service improvement things is that if we don't involve people, then we can do what we want in terms of research and designing new services. But if we don't engage the staff, then, um, you know, we're kind of failing at the outset often. So, and it kind of links to one of the questions that we've got, um, which Nick has sent through, which is, um, I kind of feel like this is, is related in a way to what I'm saying. And that is, what are the views of the panel in relation to how nurse education and clinical practice is separate this isn't found in other healthcare professionals. Um, does the impact on the identity of nurses who work in university as compared to nurses who deliver care? So basically, what's the impact in terms of the way in which we've separated nurse education and clinical practice? And I do think that links to what I'm saying about um, involving nurses, because often the two are seen as separate and it's a cultural thing, isn't it, I think? So, and that's open to anyone in any of our panel members tonight, really. It's not directed at anyone in particular. So, any thoughts? I've been involved in this education for a long time and um, and seeing some really excellent work done, certainly from the undergraduates, um, diploma firstly, then it becomes degree. We've got the master's students and they get a hunch they do an excellent piece of work. They don't publish it. Mm. Um, I'm not talking publication is 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 the end, but they capture a moment. Yeah. How to embed that? Um, I think there is a lot of cross work um, from um, what Nikki says from talking about when she started doing service evaluations mm. to then um, seemingly have, making it more seamless, making it easier to transition mm. to university, but that sometimes the the division or the schism or whatever it is called it is not there because we do work closely and we want to you know i think we firstly need to say that the service user carer needs to be at the forefront of all work and outcomes needs to, needs to be looking at that it needs to be meaningful towards them although there are there are uh, some research that's important about whether or not nurses attitude to smoking as long as you can see some sort of some sort of link towards how that will affect the way that they will assess people's physical health needs and if people if you can help somebody to, to, to give up smoking so mm -hmm. um but i think like like any time i don't know what ben kevin helen thing uh, nikki i think it, it's it's a rich moment in time to capture mm. to start to start working together 
Mm, yeah. One of the really interesting things about co-production is, you know, in in trying to make research that service users um, fully participate in, control, request, and and that really important move to sort of sharing power out. A lot of junior nurses have also been able to join in for the first time. And that is a really strange thing. When you think for the first time, we've actually spoken in a way that people people can understand. And I'm not talking like service users, stuff like they're separate, but just people, ordinary people going about their jobs, either using services or delivering services, have a clue what is happening for the first time. And one of the things that's been so exciting, I think, about co-production and that move to a bit more democratic is this idea that it's, it's shareable. So the last question came from Fiona. Fiona Nolan, thank you, Fiona. And this one is from Adrian Jugdahl. Um, I think the fear for, and that's an interesting word, isn't it, use of fear in terms of research, um, is that clinicians sometimes see research as highbrow. Simple research can still be good. Um, the other issue is that people see um, the destination of the results as a very long way away. And I wondered if either of you um, or either of you uh, groups had any ideas that you felt would actually start to address these issues. You know, the idea of research being very distant or actually excluding people. I've got a thought on. Can I say something? I, I mean, I, I yeah, <laughs> I'm going to. I, I think that's a really, I think that's a really interesting, probably correct observation that it can take a long while before a research study will produce its findings. You know, it, it's probably going to be years in a big study, and say a study funded by the National Institute for Health Research, it's probably going to be a year between the proposal being submitted for funding initially to actually being funded and then there's the whole project set up and the generation of the data the analysis the writing up so there really is quite a big time lag which I as a researcher feels to me to be quite normal but maybe for people who want to know results and want to know whether this is better than that or um want an answer to a question that is current now it's a big ask that they might need to wait for 18 months two years even even longer so that there is a different kind of there are different time scales at play here i think Very. even with publication think about how long it takes for you to yeah. sort of put something in to actually see it it's a huge length of time yeah mm. indeed that's where I'd, and, and if I'm beating the drum about audit and service evaluation, but that's where nice guidance are looking at, are we doing, are we getting our, our Karen's research as against the pillars of advanced practice um, in terms of, are we doing the standards that set out? And so at least locally, and sometimes um, you can capture it and, and think and find out that it's got resonance just away from your local trust um but um so you know do look about doing that local based and capturing those moments Isn't and then, something then? Mm. Mm. i think there's something about managing expectations because research mm. that much longer to get your approvals in place to write your proposals yeah. and to get your permissions from the areas you want to go so there is some truth that that needs to be said you know it does take much longer but you can as Steve said and as we've mentioned earlier do other work for you and there are transferable skills in the audit in the evaluation mm. in writing even even reading reading a report that can you can spot if there's any bias 
if there's any uh, issues in, in the work that's being done, any flaws that are obvious. So I think, you know, that we just need to be realistic. Research to be done properly needs to be, uh, takes that much longer. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with that. But I also think as a team, we've, we've really tried to kind of offer some of the nurses that are interested to do their own projects the chance to jump on some of the ones that are already sort of open and, you know, like some of the NIHR projects that we're recruiting to because it helps sort of build that skills and that confidence. And it's interesting that, that the word fear was mentioned earlier because I know that, I mean, you'll, you'll agree, um, you'll all agree that I've, I've had a lot of nurses say to me that, oh, you know, they're too frightened of it. And then we had to submit a proposal for an academic qualification for a research study and they've come to seek some advice and they're usually absolutely spot on and fantastic ideas that you know that, that they've really thought through so i think some of it is the confidence thing isn't it so that's something yeah. if you know that's something that can be worked on can't it, with by sort of pitching into other other projects and kind yeah. of work there on things so i think that's a way of helping that isn't it mm. oh, i'm a, i'm aware that we're um we're kind of heading towards probably having to close down our discussion and we should think mm. about some of our concluding thoughts, perhaps. Um, I'm just going to come, Vanessa, to you, because I, I think you've probably got a comment. Do you, yeah. want, do you want to share that? Yeah, just a comment about, um, and we, you know, this is something that, you know, we probably need to come back to as well in, um, in future episodes about, you know, nurses don't always just need to be involved in the research, but it's also about how we make sure nurses are up to date with research as well, isn't it? And mm -hmm. things like this are great because they're really open and they're inclusive and anyone can attend them. But, you know, often nurses um, don't have access to up-to-date research or, um, you know, they're busy doing the day job and they, the culture is that they don't have the time for professional development. So I think, you know, it's something about um, thinking about how we make research more accessible to nurses so they can use it in practice, but also how they're involved in the conversation like this one, because it's also about nurses being able to critique research, isn't it? And say, well, you know, that wouldn't work in practice because of this, this and this, or that would be great in this area where I'm working or, you know, so on and so forth. So it's not really a question as such, it's more a, a comment. And um, I don't think we can probably do much justice to it now other than to say to people who are watching, it's really important that you are involved in these conversations um, throughout this week and, you know, ongoing really with MHTV and any other opportunities that you can access. Because it's not just about going to formal events, is it? It's about being able to access research in other ways, such as through social media as well. Yes, it definitely is. Any thoughts? But that was that was it, really. I agree with all of that, Vanessa. <laughs> I do. Helen, any any kind of closing messages for you as a kind of one thing you'd want to sh share with people? Well, just uh, to get involved, really. Go on. Uh, every trust will have a research department. Well, help, helpful, friendly people. Just. Go we'll and have a chat, really. It's not, um, the, we try not to have barriers, really, and support people. So please get in touch with your local research team as much as your academics. Yeah. So pick up the phone, email, yeah. get in touch with the local department, get involved, <laughs> find out what's going on. Yeah. That's great advice, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Steve, how about you? Um, I would like to, to say that. Um, if anybody's really interested in the actual 
uh, more about the actual survey evaluation and how uh, uh, Karen came up with the ideas and developed it. Um, on the slides, there is her email. Certainly, her email is on um, her on on the front page of the uh, soon to be published article. So they'll be able to see that. Um, one outstanding thing, if I was going to critique the research, would be that the most uh, we believe that it was the carer who actually filled in yeah, more over there and, and that usually does happen in a memory service if you work as a memory nurse you will mm. ring probably the carer because it's the service user who may well get um frustrated or agitated with with all these complicated questions so how to involve the the actual service user in in the you know in in terms of an evaluation of the service um and and just now's the time to me for mental health nurses to show and, and capture what they're doing in terms of advanced nursing practice. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Thank you. And you and your paper with Karen is is it published yet, Steve, or is it on its it will way? Be coming out, I'm told it's coming out this month, but that might go into October because we're getting into the last month. Mm. But it's uh, certainly it's pre-publication. It's already it's all gone through all the every uh, different parameters, and that'll be in the British Journal of Nursing. British, right, I was going to ask just to let people know. British, so British Journal of Nursing, Karen and you writing all about your and her evaluation of the advanced nurse practitioner role. Yeah, with Dr. Subathayagesh and, and Dr. Mm -hmm. John Stevenson as well, yeah. Great, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Kevin, how about you? Any, what would be your um, closing messages or thoughts? I think it's just to say, stay inquisitive, really. You know, inquisitive mind is the, is the start of a, of a good research project. And I suppose there's a kind of a, from a managerial point of view, don't be afraid to use your, your, your personal development reviews, um, your supervision, some of those kind of times, to, if you want to explore research, to try and get that support from within the organisation. And also, like Helen said, really, you know, try and speak to your um, local research department really because they'll be they'll be really happy to hear from you just as they will be your phones will be ringing off the hook right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we hope yeah yes. <laughs> nikki how about you um don't be don't be intimidated i think when i first started i, I assumed everybody in the world was much 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 smarter than me and that i had nothing to contribute that already thought of everything it's not true different perspectives of what drives everyone forward it's got intelligence not that much to do with it um knowing knowing your job knowing the things that are important knowing the problems that need to be solved and actually communicating with your research department getting involved i mean look at these guys these researchers they keep saying call them call them Call your research department and say, Kevin Williams said it was okay. <laughs> yeah. um, absolutely participate. And also, if you don't understand, say. Well, yeah. You know, the times when I've really struggled to keep up and, and all I had to do was turn to the person next to me who really wanted to share their knowledge and say, can you explain it again? And so don't ever assume that people will think less of you for asking because they won't. They're desperate to tell you about their research. One of the biggest mistakes you can make at any conference is to stop yeah. anybody and tell me about your research. <laughs> you never get away from them. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Nikki. Yeah, Vanessa, how about you? Do you have any closing thoughts? 
Yeah, um, a lot of what's already been said tonight, really. I think it's been a great panel because it's been really um, grounded. And I think the message has been, you know, research is accessible and all nurses can get involved. And I think that's the kind of important message, isn't it, from tonight, really. And nurses can make a difference. Nurses can, you know, make a difference and change things for the better. And, um, and you know, you don't need to be highbrow to get involved, as somebody said in a in a question. And I think my comment, what I said at the end, really, about, you know, even if you don't want to do research, you can still get involved in research. You can still read research and change your practice based on research as well. So I think for me, um, that would be my question. And I think it's, you know, an ongoing conversation, isn't it, that we need to continue to have. So that's it from me, really. And thank you, everybody. It's been really interesting, as always, tonight. I've really enjoyed it. I've learned a lot. I've, yeah, I've learned a lot. And for me, I would I would just say that research is most definitely everybody's business. So I would echo yeah. everything that's been said. I'd encourage people to become more involved in it. There's so many ways of becoming involved in, in research. And we've heard loads of examples today about how people yeah. might do that. Um, don't be shy. Yeah. Mm, absolutely then i guess all that remains is to say good night to everyone it's been a late one <laughs> bye night <laughs> take care bye bye, bye, -bye. Thank, you. Right. thank you very much